Welcome back, everybody, and Happy New Year. It is a great day. It's, we're looking here. What? It's almost January 7th. And so what's been happening? You know, we're right now past the winter meetings, and we're into the off-season of Major League Baseball. So right now, we're cooking up a few things here on the hot stove with 2020. We're looking in the rearview mirror of that ugly, ugly year and looking forward to Maybe a season with 162 games. So let's get things warmed up on the stove and mix up some pancake mix and get ready to get some cooking done. You're listening to Baseball Biz, and you can find us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Podcast.Google, Amazon, Stitcher, and the world. I'm Mark Carbage, your host, and with none other than Mr. Brandon Noe, my co-host from at Sports Blitz Pod. How you doing, Brandon? I'm pretty good, Mark. How about you? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. It's getting ready to serve up some baseball flapjacks, man. I mean, let's get that uh, goes gourmet meals going on and seeing what's been cooking, which teams are out there serving up, and uh, what's happening, Brandon? Well, it's been a bit of a, a slow roast, so to say. Not a whole lot. The big names have done anything yet. In the past couple of days, we've had Robbie Grossman sign a two-year deal with the Tigers, Blake Training, a two-year contract with or excuse me, Robbie Grossman was with the Tigers. Blake Treening was a two-year deal with the Dodgers. He re-signs there. Kurt Casale, he signs a one-year contract with the San Francisco Giants, going over there from the Reds. And going back to Christmas Eve, Josh Bell got an early Christmas present from the Pirates as they traded him to Washington for right-handed pitcher Will Crow and minor league righty Eddie Yeen. The Phillies acquired lefty Jose Alvarado from the Rays, while the Phillies sent Garrett Clevenger, a lefty, to the Dodgers, and the Dodgers sent infielder Dylan Paulson and a player to be named later to the Rays in a three-team trade. Hugh Darvish and catcher Victor Caratini and cash considerations were traded from the Cubs to the San Diego Padres for righty Zach Davies. Minor league shortstops Reginald Preciado and Yisan Santana, and minor league outfielders Ismail Mena and Owen Casey. Or Casey, however you say it. And staying with the Padres, they signed Korean infielder Ha Seong Kim to a four year, $28 million deal. He played with the Kawoom Heroes in the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization. He primarily plays shortstop and third base, which is a little bit a little bit of a dilemma for the Padres as Machado and Tatis are there. And last year he hit 306 with 30 homers, 109 RBIs, 111 runs scored with 23 stolen bases. Wow. You know, I, I love the KBO. I think what they, I think he only got 10 teams, but that's Kim coming along, man. You know, it's seeing him Switch over to the Padres, and one thing I didn't mention at the head of this, we are going to do a Padres po- profile. So you brought up, I mean, a lot of the trades last week, <laughs> or at least since around Christmas, have all been about the Padres. I mean, there's so much activity just there. It's been mind-numbing. Yeah, they're, they're a team that was doing really good last year. They expected to go on a playoff run last year. They did a little bit, but they were eliminated by the Dodgers. And this year, they're loading up even more and try to make a deeper playoff run and maybe eliminate the Dodgers and end up winning the World Series. Well, well, first off, you know, as, as a Rays fan, I saw this coming. A lot of us did. 
simply because Mr. Neander made it very clear. Hey, guys, if you're interested in Blake Snell, we've got him. Here he is. And this guy has done so much for the race. It was difficult as a fan to see that happen, but it wasn't surprising. One, because Neander said it, and two, it's really how the Rays operate. Yeah, it's something we all knew was coming one day. Even Snell said it was he knew it was going to come one day, but we didn't expect it to be right now. Of course, they have the excuse of the, the pandemic to, you know, cry poor with their finances and end up moving him for more prospects. One of our one of our favorite players of the Rays prospects. They should retire a banner hanging in the rafters for that. But I mean, good for him. He goes to an organization that's really they're showing right now that they're going all in to win a World Series. Absolutely. These guys have opened up the checkbook and they're moving. I mean, and still, let's let's look at him. I mean, yes, you can say pandemic. Yes, you can say limited season, but he still made it to that World Series for this year. And not only that, he was looking like Cy Young. You know, he was looking like Cy Young Snell. He wasn't looking like the Snell who was kind of having difficulty here before. He was really stepping up, and there was there's a great value to what he was delivering for the race. I, and we, we all gagged, you know, with, with him being pulled in the in <laughs> in the World Series. But he has so much potential. But the other part of that is what they are paying him. They want them painting beans. They've got him on contract for like I think three more years, and the Rays they did and paying him virtually nothing. So I mean that was a heck of a deal for the Padres. Yeah, and he had $39 million remaining. And at 21, he was owed 10 and a half, 12 and a half in 22, and then 16 million in 2023. So that's really a bargain for what he brings to the table. I mean, that's outstanding. And you look at the player, I know you pulled together some stats on him. And one of them, you know, what you were looking at is just how many, how he was doing as far as the number of pitches he was throwing. And a lot of that, if you're assessing his ability, you can't say how he'll do in later innings because he doesn't get to play them. You know, I mean, Cash's analytics say, guess what? You really have, shouldn't be seeing the same batters three times. Yeah, R.J. Anderson of CBS Sports, he wrote an article and I sent it to you. And it was a really good read where he graded the trade. And... He put the stats, Snell, he went 4-2 with 324 ERA and 11 starts, and 2-2, 303 ERA and 6 starts in the playoffs. But the biggest question on the Padres side is that he's averaged fewer than 5 innings per start across the last two seasons, and that comes down to multiple things that we've seen over the past couple years is efficiency. We've harped on that a million times, it seems, with the Rays, and... Also with them not wanting them, them to see the lineup a third time around. And during that span, he's recorded nearly twice as many starts in which he's thrown fewer than 80 pitches, which is 13 starts, as starts in which he's thrown more than 100 pitches, which is eight. I mean, that's that's outstanding. It really is. I mean, with what the limitation of availability of the mound, if you will, and at one point, there was a limited availability because they thought of, what well, Snell wasn't necessarily lasting longer, but he has tightened up what he's doing with that game. You know, he, he was throwing some, some nasty pitches out there, and when you see Mookie Betts and some others who just couldn't 
really hit off him. They were practically applauding as he walked off the mound. So this is a great addition to the Padres because we're looking at a team with the Padres <laughs> who have the Dodgers, you know, in the same division with them, same conference. And what's happening with that is how do you fight them off? So it looks like somebody's trying to do that. Yeah, and you know you got a good pitcher on your hands when one of the best offenses in baseball in the Dodgers is being shut down. And then when they pull them early, they're literally applauding and saying, hey, we can win this game now. So you know you got a pretty good pitcher on your hands when that happens. And, yeah, and the trade, eh, I don't know. I mean, we, we got four folks here for the Rays. You know, uh, we got Patino as right, was a right-hand pitcher. And we've got a catcher and a couple other guys that are so young, I don't think they're going – one of them's probably just barely seen the minors. Uh, it's going to be a while before I, I see anything where we're reaping returns. I'll, I've criticized Neander in the past, and I've praised him. Usually I'm praising him a couple of years after the choice, you know, not when he makes it, because that's usually how long it takes before we actually see the results of that. So I don't know this year we're going to be seeing any new results for the 2021 season. By the way, I was looking at the MLB schedule for the Padres in preparation for the show, and it looks like 162 season is what they've geared up for. You know, the reality of what happens here in the next weeks and months may change all that, but uh, it was heartening to see that kind of uh, that kind of move. Yeah, and from everything I've seen and heard, it sounds like they're going to try to do a full season. That's what the league expects and the players all expect. Will that happen? I don't know, but they, we should find out sometime soon because we're, what, a month away roughly from camps opening up, and we know how much Major League Baseball likes to drag their feet on pretty big decisions. So no. It's still up in the air. It, it is still up in the air. And, you know, and one of the things, too, is with the CBA and the union and COVID, there are just so many factors that still have to play into this. But bouncing back to where I, like I do so many times, <laughs> coming back to where we were talking about with Snell and the, the trade, it'll be interesting to see over the years what comes from that. So I think I think the Padres got a good deal on this. Some would say the Rays did, but hey, the best thing was is while we did lose a high-paid pitcher, he was not really a high-paid pitcher at all when you look at what's happening out there in the marketplace. So what I want to do now is is take a look at your analysis of the other pitcher that the Padres brought in. Yes, you Darvish. He was brought in as well with the trade. Which I don't even think that trade was 24 hours after they got Snell. And he has held the opposition to two runs or fewer in 17 of his last 26 starts. And last year he finished second in NL Cy Young voting. And in 2013 he did as well, where he lost to the Tigers' Max Scherzer. And last year, in total, he pitched 12 games, went 8-3, and three, 76 innings, 201 ERA with 14 walks and 93 strikeouts. And he averages about 13 wins with 347, 74 walks, 260 strikeouts. And his last full season was in 2019, or, yeah, 2019 with the Cubs, where he pitched 31 games, went 6-8, 178.2 innings, a 398 ERA with 56 walks, and 229 strikeouts. So a little bit of a roller coaster ride with him, but 
when he's on, he's on. And sometimes when he's down, it's probably not the, the greatest sight, but <laughs> it seems like it's, you know, it's worth the risk if you can have him out there when he's on. Yeah. And we were, you were talking about one of the things too with him is, I mean, he, did you mention the course about it as far as his Cy Young, where he came in second back in 2013? Yeah. In 2013, he lost to the Tigers' Max Scherzer, which not a bad guy to, to finish in second to. No, 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 not at all. But I'm, and you look at him too. Now he's a little bit more costly than Snell. What you're looking at dollars here. He's a he's a actually a lot more expensive than Snell. In 21, he's projected to make 22 million, but that's expected to go down over the next couple of years of his deal. He's projected to make 90 million in 22, and then wow. 18 million in 23 before before becoming a unrestricted free agent. Okay, Let, let's talk about that for a minute because it kind of amuses me. Well, you, you take a look at Darvish, and it's, it's, it's kind of surprising. You wonder why two things. One, why are you looking at a salary that's going to be going down the next three, three years? And two, why does he still have three-plus years or whatever for, uh, before he hits free agency? And that's because he, not only is he 34 years old, but he didn't start his game off here. He started off over like in Osaka in Japan. That's where he began his career. And there's a story we'll get into in a moment about how somebody in the front office of the Padres really kind of brought him over in this country years ago and is now kind of reconnecting with him. So Darvish, to me, is a real exciting thing here. And while we're going to be paying, <clears throat> pardon me, and while the Padres are going to be paying him a bit, the Cubs had to throw in, what, a catcher, probably somebody he's familiar working with, and $3 million. <laughs> yeah, the catcher was Victor Caratini. I believe that's how you say it. If not, I apologize. But for everything I've seen, that they threw him in there, but it's not like a, you know, a sweeten the deal thing. From what I read, that was you know the preferred catcher for Darvish, and from what it sounds like, he could be the catcher for Darvish in San Diego as well, and potentially a backup out there that they can rely on. Well, that's definitely going to make a difference for them. There's no doubt. You know, looking at Darvish, you know, I said something about him being from Japan. But I think the Padres, you know, they, they look a little bit more internationally. And one of the people they brought in is Mr. Haseon Kim, a shortstop. And he's leaving the uh, Korean baseball organization. He was with the Nexon Heroes. I love it, man. There's 10 teams in, in like I said, over in KBO. And it's it's interesting, some of the names. One of my favorites is the Dinos, or Dinos. <laughs> but Kim, you know, he was uh, he played last year when over in MLB, we were playing 60 games. He played 138 games in 2020. I thought there was like a 140-game season, but he played 130 games <laughs> over there. And now we're bringing him over here. So I'm real excited about seeing him as well. Yeah, he seems like a really – a really big player. I mean, at the seven seasons over there, a 294 average, 866 OPS, 133 homers, 575 RBIs. And the thing is, he had all this success. He was at least five years younger than the average KBO player. <laughs> so he was a relatively a, a baby for a lot of his career. And he was having all this success. 
Yeah, I mean, his, his on-base percentage is strong, too. He's he's done a lot, his at-bats, and for somebody like he said, who's aging a bit, he's done he's done a lot. But I'm looking forward to seeing a lot from him as well. Let's see. Da, 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 da. He's had, you know, in, he's a lot of times we bring somebody over from another uh, country, and we don't really get to hear much from them until maybe spring training. But he's he has already really embraced the Padres, hasn't he? Yeah, he came over here, I believe, just after the, the Korean season ended or maybe just after Christmas for free agency. Yeah. And he was asked why he wanted to join the Padres, and he said through an interpreter, the Padres are not only a contender but could become the World Series champion this year. I want to be a part of a winning team. That's why I joined San Diego. He said that he can play any position in the infield, which is good because they have Machado and Tatis at short and third and they also have Cronenworth and Hosmer on the other side right and he's he he can't play the whole infield he's he did in Korea but he only played seven total games at first and second and only one game was at first and that was many years ago in the beginning of his career so (laughs) you might have to take some time to get used to it but that's what spring training is for absolutely you have to get that big glove for first if he's going to try that again but I I read some other ones were saying Cronenworth He's pretty much like a piece they think they can move around the board as well. So, uh, and you were saying Hosmer. So I'm not. Uh, I'm really curious to see how he's going to fit in. And I don't think he was necessarily a central piece. I mean, let's take a look at who the 2020 starters were. Let's for a moment. Let's pause here and say, okay, we had Machado, you had Cronenworth, you had Profire, you had Hedges, you had Hosmer, Will Myers, one of my favorite players, Trent Grisham, and uh, the former Ray Tommy Pham. Let's see. I don't know if I left it. Oh, I know who I left off there. I left off Tatis Jr. Oh. Now, yeah, now there's a guy too. Uh, I don't want to jump too much into him because we want to make sure we give Mr. Kim here enough attention. But he's, uh, we'll see what he does. I mean, he said he's he, he's healthy, uh, and, and we'll see what happens with Kim. But let's go on to Tatis Jr. here. Now, here's a young man who is explosive and is also very fun to watch. What are we looking at with him? Is he, is he still have a career with the Dodgers? Are they going to be like the Rays and trade him off since he's looking so daggone good? What happens? Well, the Padres might are, are hoping he doesn't end up with the Dodgers and have a career there. And they want to make sure that doesn't happen as uh, there are reports that they're working with him on an extension. And it looks like the sweet spot for both sides is around six years, $120 million, And that would get him through his arbitration years and buy out two free agent years. And he would have a giant payday by the age of 27. And he's only 22 and he could sign a, an over a hundred million dollar deal and cash in on another big deal in another few years when he's around 27, 28 years. So this is the guy that looks like he's going to be around for a while. And if he plays the way he's played and he's, he hasn't played a full major league season technically he's only played 143 games and they're wow. already talking about giving him a massive payday <laughs> that's how special he is oh yeah oh yeah I, I don't think they'll be trading him the dodgers if you're throwing that kind of money at him so that's going to be outstanding to see tatis jr there as well uh and go ahead I, I left this out but last year in 2020 he finished fourth in the nl mvp voting so they might even have a future mvp winner on their hands as well I could definitely, I can definitely see that coming. 
So we look forward to that as well. I think the Padres are really going to be the team to watch next year. They've got a hard road to climb against the Dodgers throughout the entire season. But let's take it a little deeper into the Padres and kind of do a profile here. I, I see that, you know, what, last year in the National League West, they didn't do too bad. They had a 37-23 record. And, you know, for 60 games, it gave them a 6-17 record. If you take that across all other league, all the rest of them in the National League, none of the other ones who won the other, other divisions came close to that. They were all like in the 500s. So as a second-place team in the National League West, they performed pretty good. So they were 37-23, and then that other team, the Dodgers, had a 43-17 record. Ouch! You know, in comparison, I mean, and not only that, in the postseason, while the Padres, they beat the Brewers, Brewers, but only to be eliminated by the Dodgers. You know, I mean, they're they're not they're taking some steps though. I mean, Brandon, we look at this, and the Padres have been fourth in their annual contract spend in Major League Baseball. Yeah, going back to last year in the playoffs, the Padres Dodgers, that was one of the series you and I were really excited to watch, and it was actually really good to watch. And of course, the Padres, they, they battled some injuries with their pitching staff. And the Dodgers, of course, went on to World Series to win the World Series. So it was probably their year. And from what the Padres have done over the past couple of seasons with free agency and developing players, because they still have a top 10 farm system as well. And it looks like Dodgers and Padres could be a playoff series we see for years to come. Well, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt there. I mean, we talk as Ray fans of being in a tough group here with the Yankees and used to be the same with the Red Sox. That's a hard road, and I think that the Padres have made a commitment to see that they're going to get there. They're going to get beyond Dodgers. They want to get there, and they want to be holding that World Series trophy. Yeah, they had a football team that a lot of people called the San Diego Superchargers before they left. But can we uh, change that to the San Diego Super Padres just for fun? I like that. I mean, I, I like a lot. You know, with, with all these moves, Brandon, I wanted to see as far as their success in charging all the way up to the World Series, what, what, are, their, what are their needs? You know, what have they been giving away? They've given away a few, what's it, some prospects. We talked about what they moved to the Rays. And, you know, one emerging pitcher with Patino and they with the, the Cubs you know they got a few guys too including a catcher but one person that kind of put a hole in their starting lineup and that was Zach Davies you know I mean if you had asked me when Snell left I just thought Zach Davies would be part of that five-man rotation but then bang you know you Darvish comes in and Davies goes away yeah, it, Davies was somebody that I did think was going to be in their five-man rotation as well. And I don't know a whole lot about their rotation, but I do know he was he was somebody that I, I was expected to be in there as well. And, of course, now with Snell and Darvish coming in and he was traded to Chicago, there's not really any room for him, and he got shipped out. No, no, they're, they're not. So he's gone, and Clevenger's out because of injuries. So adding these two gentlemen, these two pitchers, two high-power pitchers to the Padres lineup is going to make a substantial difference for 2021. And I don't think they're necessarily going to get Mike Clevenger back this year, but if they had him in there as well, 
I think it would be disastrous for any team facing the Padres. Just think if Darvish is on and Snell and Clevenger pitch to their potential like we know they can, they could have three guys contending for the NL Cy Young in one year on the same rotation. Wow. <laughs> that's that's absolutely mind-numbing. And we know pitching here pretty good with the Rays. That's something that we never had, at least that I can think of. And, yeah, and, and when you're thinking about, like I say, Rays pitching, suffering this time around without Charlie Morton and without Snell, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I digress, but – I see that, and I see Alvarado go too. You know, when looking going back to the hot stove, those those things hurt. But the Padres overall, I mean, they've got something tight here. They've got something that's going to work. I said again with Lemay, Paddock, and Richards uh, tying up there with Darvish and, and Snell. It's going to be a strong season. Yeah, and they're to me what like baseball teams should be. They're fun, and they're, they do everything they can to win. And to me, that's what a baseball team should be. Exactly. And a lot of that comes from the front office. And I want to give a a tip of the hat to Mr. A.J. Preller from the San Diego Padres. Give you a little bio on this guy. He's, He's making a difference. He's one of the people leading the change for the Padres. He's our general manager, and I Picked up a little bit of information, not only from Wikipedia and NBC from San Diego. There's a guy on YouTube, too, if you guys haven't seen him. is Dawson Wright. He's, he's got a great breakdown of the 2021 year in the Padres. But A.J. Preller, he's a general manager of the Padres. He used to be assistant GM for, and also, I think, a scout for the, the Texas Rangers. You know, he was hired by the Padres in 2014. So, you, you know, that's just a few years ago when you're looking at what evolved with him there. You know, early on in his career, he'd worked with Major League Baseball and had a job with there. He'd been a Phillies intern, and he worked in the front office of the Dodgers. <laughs> I say that it's like when we talk. front office to learn it. No, no. And it's, I say that like we're talking about the Yankees of the Dodgers. <laughs> so he worked in that front office, yeah. And this is a guy who knows how to work. You know, with a lot of different people. As a matter of fact, he was smart enough uh, when at Cornell, he had a fraternity brother who actually became the GM at Texas Rangers, and that was John Daniels. So Preller, after being out there in, in the market and working some different jobs, he was he reached the position of Texas Rangers assistant GM, and that was important in part because John Daniels kind of brought him in. But I think that he wouldn't have brought him in if he didn't see the quality that he could deliver. Now, before being hired to the San Diego Padres, it wasn't just a straight shooting there. It wasn't like an old school buddy there. He had to compete with eight other candidates for this job, including the, uh, the new Marlins GM, Kim, Kim Ang. He had some hefty, hefty uh, competition there, but he's, he's definitely making a difference with them. And with his time with the Rangers... I wonder, like, did he play a role in them bringing Darvish there as well? Because it seems like he's he'd be a fan of him if he brought him to the Dodgers, or not the Dodgers, to the Rangers and then ended up trading for him to the Padres. Exactly. I mean, here's a man who looks beyond just immediate scope. I mean, the entire U.S., but he's looked beyond. So, yeah, he saw the value in Darvish and brought him over, 
you know, from Japan. That's one of the reasons Darvish, you know, like I said, he had a career over there before he came here and, and why he's still not a free agent yet. But that's one of the reasons he also said, yeah, come on over here, brought him with the Texas Rangers and said, hey, you know, I've seen you doing fantastic there, seen you with the Cubs, come on down. So he does look beyond. And if, for one reason, we wouldn't he wouldn't have Kim coming in from KBO if he didn't. Did, did I tell you that he has – or the Padres have a full-time scout in Korea. Wow, that's that's something I didn't know they had. Yeah, they they look. I mean, they look beyond. I mean, well, there are so many scouts traveling all across the U.S. looking with high school students, looking at colleges, but uh, they they look further. And I think that's part of the strategy and mindset, you know, of, of AJ Preller, what he's doing with the Padres. Yeah, you can never be too observant when it's trying to find talent for your teams no and I, I was looking at some other things he did and some people he's traded he's not afraid to trade some guys either but he tra- traded uh Yasmani Grandal for Matt Kemp and uh, let's see sent some prospects to Atlanta a while back for Justin Upton these are not this isn't this year this is looking in the back he traded Joe Ross and Trey Turner among others for Will Myers <laughs> and that was a, a great move Let's see. Gave James Shields a four-year contract, and he took the money owed to BJ Upton and get, to get Craig Kimbrell. You know, so he's done a lot, and the deals he's been making recently, I think he's what looking at over twenty. How much? Over twenty million, and so the Padres aren't—they're not afraid to spend money. You know, and you you think about this and look what he's done, and. Seeing well, what what are the Padres worth? What if they are the fourth leading team in spending on salary? You know what what are they worth? And you were kind enough to pull up some stuff from Forbes, and looking at let's see who was the owners: Ron Fowler and Peter Seidler. They bought the team in 2012 for 600 million. Team value calculated in report. By Forbes in April 2020, has the value of the team at 1.45 billion, 600 million to 1.45 billion, and that's just what in nine years. Would you like to get that kind of return on any money you put in the bank? Oh, I, I wouldn't a heartbeat. So there you go, friends. And while we're talking about you know, yes, last year was a difficult year for everybody in Major League Baseball. The Padres still have the owners have a team that is well worth 1.45 billion, and they have a team that I believe has a strong, strong, strong possibility of taking over their own, the National League, and possibly the World Series next year. Yeah, this is a, a franchise I really want to start to follow more now as we've done more research over the past couple of days. Not only because they're they're a fun, entertaining team and they do everything they can to win, but they're not afraid to go out there and, you know, you know, shoot their shot at guys. If if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And they they spend the money. They're not afraid to. And they make about three hundred million, I believe, roughly a year. And they spend a good amount of that money trying to make the team better. And of course, they get a lot of that from their, their TV deal, which I saw is one of the more lucrative deals. 
I believe they average about 50 million a year just for the the rights to to air the games. So they they get a lot of interest and they're not afraid to go out there and spend money to try and win games. Yeah, I mean, and that makes all the difference. I mean, looking at that same report saying their gate receipts, and I'm sure this was like 2019, was 63 million, and their revenue per fan was 54 bucks. Uh, as you were pointing out, with that kind of the strength they did with the media deal is huge. So I'm glad to see them thriving. I'm glad to see that that is a team that is participating with not only the future and prospects, but a team that's right now going to have some players right now that are going to make a difference. But those trades have been huge. And we've talked before about the ceilings for salaries, but I don't think we've talked much about the basement or maybe just the floor. The, the, I think the Rays are in the basement and uh, maybe a few others. Is there something but, below the basement? I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> the the uh, their willingness to save, save, save uh, to the point of you know what's going to happen. I don't think I don't think many or any teams tank intentionally tank a season to get better prospects the next year. I'm sure it can be part of an equation, but I don't think any of them are that bad. But you look this year though, the Rays and <laughs> maybe even bigger the Cubs have done great big salary dumps. Yeah, I mean, trading Darvish, who who made $20 million, that's a contract, you know. Even though the Cubs say that they're, you know, doing everything they can to keep their window open, and their GM came out and said a few days ago, or a few weeks ago, I believe, that they don't want to be one of those teams at the end of their window that have no talent left. They want to keep on going, like what the Yankees did. And... You know, that's something I believe they can do, even though it does look like it is a salary dump. But Darvish is an older guy. He's, I don't think he's really considered part of their core. And the Rays, they they just dump money because they say, they say that they're one of the poor organizations, which they are in major league standards. But well, we can get into this at a deeper time, but. No, I'm with you. We, we, get, we can do a lot deeper on this and not just on the Rays. But, you know, one of the things that we kind of talked about before, too, is one of the MLB strategies, you wonder if they are going to set a salary you know, floor. And that could actually change the nature of some of this game. It could make it more exciting for a lot of people, you know, not, not just that. But I, and, and I think the collecting bargaining agreement this year may have some impact on that. But – I, I don't know. <laughs> I think a salary floor is something that they should do because you can look it up and see from these fours reports that these teams make a lot more money than they seem to let on and they can spend more money. Like the Padres, look at them. They make all this money. They could easily pocket it and say cry poor, but they go out there and they spend a lot of it on talent. As if they could spread that out throughout more teams in the league, I think it would make it more fun and more interesting, and teams like the Rays could keep their talent around longer. Well, and that's that's it. I mean, completely. I mean, if we take a look again at who the Padres are now this year, you know, you, you've got Machado, you've got Tatis Jr., who's going to be a wealthy man, you know, even more so at a very young age. Cronenworth, who's, you know, a solid player. Hedges, Hosmer, 
Will Myers, who I think is outstanding, Trent Grisham, and our old favorite here, Tommy Pham, who was a former Ray. He's quite often the designated hitter. I don't think he had quite as strong as the years he liked to have last year. But he's going to be joined by former Ray Blake Snell, and then also you Darvish and Mr. Kim. And that is going to just cement an even stronger team. And they had a great one last year, but I think it's going to be fantastic this year. So any last words about the Padres? If you're a Padres fan, I think you should be excited because this team not only can contend with the Dodgers, but I, I think they could beat them. Now, they may not win the division, but I think if a seven-game series, I wouldn't be afraid to get behind them and say they could beat the Dodgers. All right, go Padres. Thanks for making an investment in your team, guys. So that was huge. And changing the face of baseball. Changing the face of teams that want to win now. And, and that's kind of what they've done. As long as we're talking about changing the face of baseball, you know, there's, there's been some different things this year. One of them was the, um, this, the smart move that if you look that the, the Miami Marlins made, they brought in a big change by bringing in Kim Ang as their general manager. And, yes, she did meet a new uh, breakthrough as far as a woman and, as, I believe, a, and coming in as a general manager. And she broke, you know, a small crack into that very much white male-dominated management of the game, which I think has been necessary. But I want to make sure that people don't just think of her as the first woman doing this because she had quite a background with MLB. She worked with the Yankees with Mr. Cashman. So this lady had done a lot before and even been in negotiations with some of the players, et cetera. And earlier this week, The Boston Red Sox, they have brought in a new coach, and congratulations to her, Miss Bianca Smith. She's 29 years old. She's the first MLB black woman coach. And not only that, is she also has a background in the game. Now, while she's starting out with the minors, she previously had done a lot with colleges. She was with Carroll University, there she was in Wisconsin. She was like also uh, their assistant coach and the hitting coordinator, and she'd done some other things as well. She'd had internships, we're seeing here, let's see, with the Rangers and the Reds and worked in their operations department. So they're getting quite a new talent, and they're just really kind of introducing her at the minor league level. Yeah, and hopefully they're both given the chance to succeed and they're given a fair shot. They, they do succeed because I think that's not only you know, great for you know, everybody being treated the same eventually, but it's great for the game as well, and it can help grow it. Yeah, and Kim Hang has her work cut out far as the GM of the Marlins, but I'm sure she'll do fine with her. That's, uh, that's a lot of work yet to do. And with this move with the Sox, you know, I mean, I, I was thinking, yeah, they're, they're okay. They're real progressive here, but – and they also going to be progressive in their own front office, not just in a minor league. And what are they, how progressive are they going to be with their with their roster? You know, we'll we'll talk another time, Brandon, about what the Red Sox are going to look like for 2021, and what Mr. Alex Cora, that fantastic ethical moral guy, is going to do <laughs> for the team. But that can be a whole other episode. Well, that's about it for me. You got anything else we can uh, we should talk about this week? Um, I don't have anything else. And if you didn't know, that is Brand- Mr. Brandon Noway. 
from at Sports Blitz Pod. That's where you can find him besides right here. And you can also find us both at The Baseball Biz on Twitter as well. I want to thank you, Brand, for once again, you know, kind of bringing all this together, taking a look at what's happening with 2021. And we can go into a deeper dive on a future show about the schedule, how it's evolving. And one of the things I want to talk about, too, in the future is we're going to see how do the teams travel in the world of COVID, what they did last year and what's going to happen this year. So those are some topics for the future. But right now, I'm Mark Carbett, and with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Noe, I want to thank you all again for joining us. Well, Brandon, man, it was a great show. I, I can't thank you enough for really pulling together all the in- information coming up with the hot stove, looking in the details that we got from everything on the Padres, some really great stories there, and looking at that future. Uh, you know, Kind of a glimpse of what we can see and. Maybe MLB's future with schedules and salary floors. So those are some things we might dig into deeper in the future. Yeah, and, and thanks for having me. And those are things I, I definitely think will make great topics and great shows in the future. Guys, you can look for more information from Brandon at Sports Blitz Pod. You can look for more information from me also at The Baseball Biz both on Twitter, and we look forward to anything you guys have to say, as always. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, podcast.google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and all the main directories for podcasts. So thank you again for joining us here with Baseball Biz. We look forward to talking with you again real soon. also want to thank X-Tech RUX for providing music rocking forward.